We shall begin. It seems like it has been forever. We just missed one Sunday and it seems like it's been a long time. We actually were. <laughs> it was kind of a bad night. but we. It seems like ages. But we're here and uh, thank the Lord. Yes, I understand you're trying to build a swimming pool in your house. Well, we were going for more Okay, so we are in Second Thessalonians. We're dealing with the man of lawlessness, and we uh, kind of covered uh, the the titles of uh, Antichrist. Is at, that's just in chapter two of Second Thessalonians, really? Uh, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, the lawless one, the coming one, and the activity of Satan. I have the outlines, and a lot of it's the same one that we had previously, but we didn't get very far in that. And I added a part to it, which basically is what we're going to do tonight. And we looked at the effort to uh, thwart the work of uh, Christ. And of course, you know, Satan is behind the Antichrist all the way. He's the one that's uh, filling him to be able to do the things that he will be doing. But all along through history, we've seen right in uh, Genesis, and of course you think of the um, what Satan was doing, trying to corrupt all of mankind. In Exodus, you think of um, uh, Moses there. At the time, Pharaoh was trying to kill all the male babies. And, uh, of course, in Second Chronicles, we saw the royal line of uh, uh, what would be the line of David was down to one uh, a couple of times and how the Lord intervened in that. Uh, of course, at the time of Esther, you have Haman trying to eradicate Israel. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes um, during just... Uh, before the time of Christ. Uh, you have Herod uh, at the time of the birth of Christ, uh, all the male babies two years and under or so. Um, of course, Antichrist spirit was at Thessalonica at this time. So, um, And we see in the book of John, uh, like 1 John, 2 John, he t- talks about Antichrist. Sometimes he's uh, talking about not the Antichrist as the, the one personal one, but uh, there are many Antichrists. Um, and those would be the people not believing in Christ and uh, against Him and such. Uh, so, in this area though where Paul uh, presents the Antichrist, he's talking about the work of one individual that has culminated with some of the worst individuals in the world who have been uh, definitely led by Satan. Of course, in in our time, we think of Adolf Hitler, uh, you know, an evil man who tried to destroy uh, the Jewish race. He killed six million of them, and not only him, but we think of evil men down through the ages. And you can think of the Caesars, uh, many of the Caesars who tried to eradicate eradicate uh, Christianity, and um, of course. You can go on and on, and uh, down through the ages have been some really, uh, what we would say, evil, wicked men. Now, put all those together, and a lot of those men are very intelligent, but they use those, um, the faculties of their minds to do demonic things. And the Antichrist is like an addition of all of those men combined and being able to use what he has been given and, uh, of course, being, um, I guess you say, inspired by Satan, definitely. Uh, he will do things that no man has ever done. Uh, his number is 666, and, of course, that is like the highest number for man. And if man is separate from God, he will be 
anti-God, anti-Christ at His very peak. And so when we look at uh, this lawless one, it'll be like no man has ever been. And so uh, that's what Paul is uh, definitely bringing forth in this chapter 2. What we're going to look at tonight is how Antichrist looked according to Daniel. Barb there. Well, 666 is a triple six. It's taking it to its uh, completion, its ultimate man as depraved as he is. Whenever one is being um, filled with Satan, and of course you think of Judas, right? You know, Satan filled him. Well, this man is, although he is purely man, he will be filled not with the Holy Spirit, but with a demonic spirit in, in its fullest sense in what he is doing. So uh, his number, the number of the beast is what? 666. And six is the number of man. The uh, number of God is seven. Man always falls short of God. And if you get a man that is against God in every way, and, and in the way that we will look at tonight in the book of Daniel, you'll see how evil and wicked any man can be if uh, he be allowed to be that way. And uh, you know some of the most wicked and evil people are something that's beyond our even our minds. But when you think of this individual, um, it's even worse. And he will be allowed to rule for that uh, period of time. So uh, that's what we're going to be uh, looking at here. Let's uh, pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. And as we uh, pour into we. Uh, Help us understand things that um, are in the future, but you have given us much information about what's going to happen at that time and uh, how ultimately you win. Whenever it looks like evil is winning, uh, you are in absolute control as always. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word and uh, help us by your Holy Spirit to understand further what your plan is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Paul stated uh, in chapter 2 he is clearing up a problem that they're having and they are kind of confused now about the day of the Lord. They think they're in it. At least a lot of them are. They've gotten a a letter. They've got some kind of teaching. Something has uh, come across to them that the day of the Lord has come. And Paul had already talked to them about these kind of things. The day of the Lord, uh, the end times as we may, the Antichrist. And he must have referred to Daniel's prophecy. Daniel has um, a lot in his sections dealing with the Antichrist in chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 11. And so Daniel, more than any other Old Testament prophet, gives us details about the Antichrist. And uh, that's what we will look at. I want to show you some, some things that Daniel has to say about this coming Antichrist. He's like he's a, he's a great superman of Satan. Powers that he has. Let's turn to uh, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8. It's a vision that Daniel is getting. He's getting some end-time visions that are much more than what he even understands at that time. 
but he gives us something that we can look at it with the help of the New Testament and have uh, quite a bit more understanding than uh, probably what he had as he wrote this. Verse 8, While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth uttering great boast. So you have a little horn here. Uh, the idea is that he has. There's some associates here. He associates with. When you think of horn, you think of some power, uh, rulership, and there there are what would be considered to be world rulers. And all of a sudden, from a position that he has that's somewhat smaller than what he is eventually going to be, he begins to rise in prominence. There are there are four horns here. Or four beasts that, that's involved. And, of course, he's like a little horn. And in verse 8, it says he has eyes. In the eyes of a man, this speaks of intelligence. He's able to see things, uh, see things in an in a intellectual way. He's, he's genius. He's very clever. He's quite a, a shrewd man. Very knowledgeable. Uh, he is one that people are going to be attracted to. Unbelieving people will be attracted to him greatly. It says he has a mouth, a mouth uttering great boast. Uh, this is like he's a prideful man. He's full of pride. Uh, he would be considered to be one who would have a way with words. He would be an orator. Quite a man with speech. Uh, that can impress people whenever they have impressive words to speak. And he will speak against God in open blasphemy. And uh, so he's terms of skilled speaker, but it's always against God. Now the anti in uh, the Greek, in the idea is to be against, to be over and against, and it also can mean in the place of. So he's in the place of Christ. There'll be many Christ coming, but there will be one ultimate one, right? Taking the place of Christ although he doesn't really take his place. As far as people are concerned, this is the Messiah that the world is looking for. One leader that comes in and gives them, offers them great things uh, so they can live peacefully on this world. So uh, there's chapter 7, verse 8. You look at verse 21 as we drop down there, still speaking of uh, this one... Antichrist, I kept looking and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. So he has power. He wages war with the saints. That's believers, people who during his time who might have become Christians during this time. Overpowering to destroy uh, them entirely. He wants to wipe them off the face of the earth. Uh, One group of people that uh, leaders have tried to get rid of are the Jews down through the ages. And of course, since the time of Christ, it's been Christians, hasn't it? Well, there he's waging war against Christians, obviously, uh, as he would like to wipe them out. Verse 23, the, thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, tread it down and crush it, As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue the kings. He will speak out against the Most High 
and wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions will serve and obey Him. It's nice to see something really good <laughs> after all that the damage that's done by this man. We know Christ coming back uh, will crush uh, this. But He is known as a blasphemer. He has military power, military genius. Yeah, Barb? Okay, this question is going to make me look real ignorant, but ignorance can be cured and stupidity can't. So, Quote, write that down. <laughs> when it's talking about the horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, during that time he's making war with them, is that now... Or is that during the tribulation? This would be during this time that he comes in uh, reigning. It would be the tribulation time. Tribulation. Okay. It's the uh, it's the time, especially the great tribulation, the time, times, and half a time. Uh, almost all the scholars I've ever read from they that mean a time is one. Times would be plural two. There's three and half a time, which would be three and a half, or twelve hundred and sixty days. You'll also see that in Revelation, for instance. And of course, the three and a half years—all so that's the same amount of time, period. And so that's definitely during that uh, that tribulation period. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, he'll the, sorry. so the horn has to, the the horn, which is representing the antichrist, has to become in power before he can wage war against the saints. Right. Right. Okay. And we know later on in Daniel 9, it says he will make a covenant. He'll make a covenant with Israel. And they will... Finally, we have peace. Well, <laughs> be careful when they say peace because sudden destruction comes. But they think, oh, this is great. So they're willing to do this. And of course, he goes in later. And of course, this temple that he allows them to build I would say that that would be uh, some of the things that would be part of that covenant because that's really what they want the most. They want a temple where they can go up to worship on the on the mount. Make sacrifices. Right. They need to get that sacrifice back into business. Right. <laughs> it's a heart of their religion. God has protected Israel from doing anything like that. Yeah. Right. Did you guys happen to hear what Israel did to uh, Damascus? Uh, last night? No, last night. They bombed them? Amazing news. Oh. They bombed them oh. because of the Scud missiles that they had in Damascus. And that's what Israel does. Whenever they find out somebody in the, the, that's close to them with Scud missiles that can reach into you know Jerusalem and anywhere in, in, the, in the land there, they go and take care of it. And I'm sure they're getting blasted by the rest of the world, the UN. It's their problem. They should go talk to those people in Damascus and tell them they don't like their Scud missiles. And tell them to take those Scud missiles away. And we know that that'll get across real well. They're going to listen to you because they're going to 
They don't like you not liking Well, and Israel's known that for many, many years. You're all talking to me. We'll just take care of you ourselves. It's that old rattling of sabers. What's going on with Jerusalem as the capital? Is that still in process, too? Is it possible? Yeah, I think they made it official. And that's really making the Palestinians very angry. They open up there's, the temple of the Mount of Jews. There's a couple other countries that have followed suit now, too, that are going to move their embassies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at least we were showing that, hey, we're with you. Yeah. Doesn't the, is, Israel have a president, or do they have a... No, they have a prime minister. Prime minister. And they have, but they, they have, have no allies. And yeah. what, when Trump did that, he became an ally that helped them to set up to do that mm-hmm. so other countries don't want to not be our ally. Yeah. So... But he's also, Trump's taken his power. He's saying, we're not supporting all of the other countries anymore either at the right. same time. So we'll right. see how that all ends up. Just see what today. Those who support <laughs> Israel, <laughs> they, support they try not to, but okay. no, they decided, somebody was saying that they had proved that he was dim-witted and didn't know anything. And yeah. So he decided to have an open meeting and let the, the, real the, TV, show up. the TV people <laughs> come in and listen to the meeting, which... Pretty much shows he's not really stupid. <laughs> he just doesn't think they're worth his time. But. Yeah. Well, it's you know well, Israel called himself brilliant. Didn't he? Well, that's <laughs> what you talked about while ago. On that one yeah, somebody's got to, right? So yeah. yeah. Just ask me. I'll tell you. Tell me. I'll tell you. Surprise! A little bit. Yeah. It's a circus. Yeah, and boy, the circus of all circuses is, is right here. And, of course, it's amazing amazing times that we live in. And when you see it happening in Israel, um, boy, a lot of effects are happening. He literally is going to wear out the saints. You know, that's, that's what it says here, the, of the highest one. And how will he do that? Injustice. He'll seize uh, things from the Christians. Uh, punishment. Uh, imprisonment. Persecution, slaughters, all those kind of things will be happening. Uh, he will wear them down. This is an evil, wicked men. He will slaughter believers like they've not been slaughtered before, I'm sure. And he'll make a. Yeah, okay. I'm just thinking as you're talking about him and deceit and all this wickedness, I'm thinking like, well, he's going to start with the church, deceive the church, and then. You know, then Christians are going to fight amongst themselves, and then I think that's really where it's going to happen because you know there's already a big division amongst the churches right now. You know, there's not really a, a unified everyone saying, you know, well we believe in the word, we believe in the word, and then it comes to the word, and they're like, well we don't like that. But you know, we don't we don't want the Old Testament. We don't want this or that. Well, I tell you what, it can do. Persecution can. Mm-hmm. can divide the so-called Christians from the real Christians. And that is the beauty all through the ages that you can look at when people still bear witness for Christ. The church comes together and it's closer than it ever before because now it's it's full of true Christians. And uh, you know, at that time, I have to wonder how many different denominations will there really be at that time. I think they'll really come together in a way that they haven't been in a long time. Well, and all through world history, 
the church in China is very strong. The church in Russia mm -hmm. is very strong, but yeah. nobody knows where they're at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so they yeah. get caught every now and then. China, and he comes in and gives um, his missionary report every year, every two years. He said the church there is growing like the like the Acts Church did. Yeah. It's just that it's not as visible. Right. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Well, and uh, of course, it says that he will change times. Um, that's kind of interesting. It throws out all the old times. You know, of course, the the world celebrates certain times of the year. I can imagine how Christmas could be definitely changed in a real drastic way. Well, several years uh, ago, there was some talk about changing the B.C. and A.D. Oh, yeah. Oh, they are doing that. That's, that's, in, the wow. that's in the classes. That's well, changing cool. times. <laughs> Before the common era, yeah. which is Christ. Christ they take Christ of out of that. Huh. Yeah, it's amazing that it's been around for this Several, many I mean, five, six couple thousand years. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Well, they do a lot of sneaky little stuff. <laughs> yeah. They never did anything to make a big deal out of it. They just kind of slide it. Slide it. We're just going to change the BC. <laughs> yeah, okay. Don't Talk see a your problem. kids and they want a clue what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. Now, the Jewish yeah. people have been using that ever ever since. BC. BC? Yeah. So, religious celebrations, you can imagine what he would uh, do with those. New ceremonies, new kind of observances. It would mainly be about the worship of himself. Idolatry. Idolatry in its biggest way. Alterations in the law. He'll change morals and ethical codes that we can't even imagine now. We're seeing a lot of that happen before our eyes. What is he going to do? If he's against God, if he's against Christ, he's going to do everything backwards. And what is illegal here now will be legal then. Uh, of course, you hear about the legalizing of drugs like marijuana. And that it's going well, really far. Colorado. I was amazed at how bold Satan is. There was that, that movie that taught, what was it, 24 hours? Where you could go around and oh, kill yeah, anybody you wanted to do, take purge. their stuff. And purged. Yeah. Okay. For 24 hours, oh. you could go do anything to anybody yep. and get away with it. Yep. Free and clear. You wouldn't be judged. No there be, yeah. Just for the 24 hour period. <laughs> I thought. Yeah. That's this. <laughs> where's, where's that kind of thing coming yeah, from, right? That's new under the sun. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. what they focused in on that movie was like murder, because they make murder look like it's fun. They didn't really think about the. I didn't watch the movie. I got scared watching the previews. <laughs> Pretty crazy. What yeah. what what comes out in the minds of men, right? Well, you take this man who is given the privileges that he has and. He's going to be able to do things that people can't imagine right now. Verse 26, but the court will sit for judgment and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, destroyed forever. So, you know, even in the same chapter while this is going on, of course, this is the court of God, isn't it? Um, and, of course, his kingdom will be taken away and completely. Uh, in verse 23 and 24, go back to there. Um, but 
But he's going to be running things like that for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a long three and a half years. Yeah, because I mean, he could, <laughs> like you said, change the time. He yeah. could say a year and a year anymore. That's going to be an incredibly long time. Yep. That's right. Um, Think about how that goes around with our four years of presidency. Yeah. Where, you know, it's like really three and a half years because you elect the new one. Yep. You sort of got a lame duck president there for a while. Mm -hmm. A lot of things in that short amount of time. Um, he's insolent. He's an intimidator. Uh, he has a fierce face about him. He's a fierce individual. He intimidates everyone. Uh, this is the kind of submission that he will bring to himself, and you can imagine the intrigue that he'll have for people, or people will have for him, uh, the, the deception. In Revelation 13:2, there's a lot about him there in that chapter, several other chapters too. There's a lot in the Bible about this guy, isn't there? <laughs> Daniel and Revelation, especially, and of course, our Second Thessalonians. 13.2 says, And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, that's Satan, and the throne and great authority. So we see that uh, he's giving, given more than any man ever. And uh, the deceit that, that he has to do to be able to get that power. But he will kill innocent victims at any time that he wants. Uh, he will definitely oppose the the prince of princes, uh, the Messiah. Uh, no man can destroy him, but we we know that there will be a stone cut without hands, and uh, Daniel has related to that that will crush him and and his kingdom. Uh, yeah, Bart. Are you talking about like in verse 23? Yeah. Yeah, you said go back to verse 23, 24. Oh, thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and will devour the whole earth, tread it down, and crush it. So this is where this takes over. Then you have the ten horns. I think everybody here probably knows what the ten horns is. That would be like... Uh, ten powerful nations. In our time, it's been related to the European community. And of course, the common market, uh, it's been known as, it very well could be, it's a revival of the Roman Empire, very possibly, they've always said that. The numbers in that European community, sometimes it, it has been ten, sometimes twelve, sometimes nine, sometimes eight. They drop in, then they add more. But it's definitely in that same area that would what would be known as the old Roman Empire. And when you speak of uh, Europe and the power that it once had, it was the the kingdom, I guess, if there was one big powerful kingdom. Of course, you think of the Roman Empire that was uh, present at the time of Christ and uh, even before that. This is hard to imagine when it says and it shall devour the whole earth. Every country... 
all around the world. Right. This the is your one order. world, finally, one world order where you have you have these ten kingdoms, but eventually you have one man ruling the whole world. That's because you're going to have Africa, one religion. Everything. And digitally, uh, we're we're in the, the computer age, and of course, we know that we we can get to almost every part of the world. There are certain places that you might have trouble uh, calling up on a cell phone, but. <laughs> You know, pretty well control over everything. Yeah, we've always heard of Big Brother. Of course, every time I turn on my TV or turn on the internet, or hey Google, <laughs> or Alexa, makes you wonder <laughs> who's checking in here. <laughs> Disneyland has a song. It's a small world after all. <laughs> <laughs> that was prophetic. That was prophetic. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, in our time, it is more possible than ever before, isn't it? Even while we have been knowing these for many decades, I think many of us have read a lot of this stuff, but now we look back at it and we go, man, it's even more possible than the ever brim. now. Yes. So uh, the the ten kings will rise, and and uh, another will rise after them, and he will be different. This and this is where it it, it uh, really shows one comes in control over even all of these other kingdoms or these these nations, what have you, uh, the previous ones, and will subdue three kings. He'll speak out against the Most High. There's the blasphemer there. He'll lower down the saints of the highest one. There's your absolute persecution. He will intend to make alterations or changes in times and in law. They will be given into His hand for a time. And there's your length of it. Time, times, and half a time. Then it says ultimately then there will be judgment on that kingdom. Uh, chapter um, Chapter 8. 24 and 25. This is, um, of course, some of this has been done in history when you think of uh, people like um, Alexander the Great, for instance. You could see that. But this is the culmination of it all where it's finally heading to. A lot of times when you get in prophecy, you see a near prophecy, something that comes true within their lifetime or something very close. Uh, to that age, and then, but it's fulfilled completely in, in the end times. But it says in 23, in the latter period of their rule, when the transgressors have run their course, a king will arise, insolent and skilled in intrigue. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power. Whose power? Satanic power. He will destroy to an extraordinary degree. Destroy and prosper and perform His will. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's one who's going to be able to do whatever He wants to do. That's kind of scary if you don't know who's going to win in the end. If you weren't a believer and you believed this stuff, uh, then you'd say, why aren't you a believer? (laughs) 
He will destroy mighty men and the holy people. Who are the holy people? Well, that could be the saints, right? The set-apart ones, believers. It could be the Jews also. We know how much many leaders have hated Jews and still do. I think it's interesting how the the Jews were hated and the Christians are hated because we're all drafted into the same vine. Same people. You know, they're yeah. the the Jews were the promise, the foundation, and then we Gentiles were drafted in to the entire thing. And that we're all hated as one. <laughs> it's like well, you, yeah. <laughs> what, what what are we to Hillary? What are we called? Deplorable. Deplorable. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you know. Jewish nation, Israel, is not really a godly nation mm. at all. Real, they ain't real fond they of don't really, they, they don't really they are, follow yeah. God. You know, there's a remnant, possibly, but you, you know, not even real sure what they're following. But people still hate them. <laughs> that's that's God. religious or not. That's uh, that's just God's hand on them. It's because they still have the promise of Abraham, Isaac, exactly. and Jacob. Well, that's, yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly what it is. I think yeah. they blindly follow the right God because of the promises of mm. they think there's something special about them. And, yeah, they're being blessed by that. But they don't like us Christians coming along oh. saying that we're grafted in with them. Like, yeah, they have <laughs> just if the as world much blinded, as we do. If the world just looked at the nation of Israel, they'd leave them alone because they're really nothing. They should, yeah. They should you know, like, I mean, the they're, they're not following God. They're not, yeah. they really don't have anything there. I mean, who cares about that little tiny nation? Like people hate them. It's amazing. And then you look at uh, in the book of Romans 9, 10, and 11, God shows His ultimate plan for them. Just like He has told it in the Old Testament, um, people would say, well, what about the Jew then? You know, what about, what's God doing now? You know, and He says, here's what He's going to do. And then right now, it's the times of the Gentiles. And of course, out in the church, most of the church is made up of uh, Gentile people. There are some Jews, uh, remnants, but... Um, at the same time, we uh, we know that uh, uh, leaders as a whole don't seem to favor Christians, Jews, whoever. Just kind of like a little pebble in your shoe that just won't go away. <laughs> I've, I've always been amazed that the world hates Israel and the Jewish people because... Because God's promises. God has put that hate in their heart. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's designed this whole thing. He's, he's punishing Israel for... S- small group of people compared I mean, to the rest of the world. And, a, and the little nothing. land that they live yeah. on, you'd think nobody would want that. Would and at the time, they, nobody did want the land because <laughs> they had exactly. destroyed that land. The <laughs> and there are certain uh, leagues of the fallen angels that are in charge of those dominions and they stir things up yeah. in the spiritual realm because yeah. they know that that's God's exactly. promised land. Yep. That is his, what's going on. All of His people will gather there. All of His people will come together. That's right. And the thing is, this is a spiritual realm much more than the physical realm because that is, and that's what's making all of this come true. It's a spiritual battle, and so. It, you know, when you look at the Antichrist, you can see what he is filled with. He's been he's been given so much power, uh, but we, we he, know we know who wins. And he directs it at Israel. <laughs> yep, sure does. 
Look in Daniel 11, verse 37. Again, same person. Verse 36. Then the king will do as he pleases, as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself. Throughout the Old Testament, magnify, magnify the Lord, right? He will magnify and exalt himself above every God and will speak monstrous things against the God of gods. Monstrous things. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed will be done. There's our sovereign God. He is the one who is ordaining this. Now, I'm not saying that He's causing sin. God doesn't do that, but He ordains. This is His plan. This is His purpose. For what reason? For His glory. Isn't this a story? Amazing story. I think it's interesting that it says that His decree shall be done. Because I remember a while back on Facebook, a while ago, someone said that God never runs out of patience. And I remember saying something that you know, if God didn't run out of patience, that He would allow sin to go on forever. But here it's saying that it's decreed what shall be done, that it will all come to an end, and that will be the end of His patience. He'll <laughs> say, okay, I've let it run on long enough. I no longer have any more patience for you, no more desire to let you be. It's done. It stops here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all in His perfect timing, and He's already written it out when uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you ought to read the book here. You know yeah. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> This is interesting here. He will show no regard, verse 37, for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god. For he will magnify himself above them all. There's no other gods but him. Okay, when it says, says, he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers, does that imply that he's Jewish? I don't believe so. I believe it can mean the pagan world. When you think of the Greek realm, I know there are some people that say the Antichrist is Jewish, but I think just even looking here, I, uh, the, the God, and it's saying what? The gods of his fathers. We're, we're speaking of multiplicity. And all of the, the ancient uh, mythological gods and however many different gods have been. The Hindus had millions of gods. You know, you go on and on with all those different gods and the Muslim god and all the Eastern religions, and He has no regard for that. He is God. That's who He is. Is 37 talking about our God or this Antichrist? This is talking about the Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. And the Antichrist is human, right? Right. He is human. So He says the God's my Father referring just because He's a human... His humanly father, like his humanly father, or his grandfather, mm-hmm. his and father, and on back, right? Okay, and I, that could be culturally. Yeah, more systems of how they dealt with things. Right. They're all the very heritage they've been taught for right. years. Huh. He dismisses all of that. Okay. What so. gets me is the next section. Yeah, nor the desire of women. I, and some have questioned that and, and thinking, well, does that mean he's a homosexual? It very possibly could. I mean, that's the big thing now, isn't it? I mean, that's the fashion, that's the style. Or it could mean that he's not going to have any kind of lure that takes him away from what he wants to do. He'll just use it all for his... Because, I mean, it says that he'll do whatever he desires. Right. 37 36. 
Right before you hit the 30. Okay, and my, my uh, interpretation so says, or to the one beloved by women. And the notes down here <coughs> indicate that that was the god Adonis. Mm. Women love the god Adonis. And he didn't care about Adonis. <laughs> There you go. Well, says, he has no lust for any... Yeah, he has no desire, no... Uh, he just wants to exalt himself. Yeah. yeah. Love himself. You, you would think that all men, like, that, you know, most have a desire for, you know, an interest in women, but his interest is going to be uh, much more than, than uh, women. <clears throat> So, uh, and of course, we've seen what all the different uh, leaders down through the years, where they have been destroyed by their lust for women. You think of Solomon, what he had 700 wives, and what did that do to him, right? Um, he, he doesn't have any concern for any religion, any other kind of deity. It's him, it's all about him. He will magnify himself. He is. He's got a God, according all to there is. verse 38. Mm -hmm. The God of fortresses. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, and of course, what some, is that? That's some God who the, his father power. didn't know. It's, it's, it's the power that, uh, that he has. Um, well, he's he's uh, reflecting or illuminating out, just like Lucifer did in from, heaven right. when he decided mm -hmm. he was going to. Uh, but this guy's getting all of his power yep. authority from Satan. I know. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a counterfeit yeah. of Christ, you know, because that's the whole yeah, idea. That's what he's his. And his his uh, what do you how well, infamous glory or whatever is shining of, of the fallen Lucifer. Yeah, because Lucifer right. is the most powerful angel that yeah. there was. Mm. He held to the glory, you know. Could we say that this is Satan manifested yeah. in a way? That he wanted to lift himself up above God. If he couldn't do it like that anymore, then he'll do it through a man that he fills with that kind of and, power. And, and cause uh, uh, a, a blemish to God because this is what he's showing God his creation has become because he's, he's the ultimate man. Right. You know, right. You can't right. You know, the the ultimate man, the six six six. I mean, this is this is the wor This is if man is separated from God, he will do the worst things possible. He would go against God. If we were allowed to do what we wanted to do, we would not follow God, would we? On our own, if we weren't Christians, we would be against. We would hate Him, and He He keeps people from. You know, He holds back. He's a restrainer, isn't He? What happens when he lets go and lets things happen on this earth? That's what's happening during this time. Just like in the times of Noah, he didn't mm. stop them from doing anything. And they became yeah. evil, even side, worse. To than the ever. point where he regretted, says that he was filled with sorrow that he had created us. Then he brought his judgment. Break it that for him. Apparently, uh, he's going to come out of a people that are not known as a military power. Uh, instead, he will honor a god of fortresses. He loves the power that um, armies and uh, 
weaponry, all the different things that you can have to control, and that's what he wants. He amasses it for himself. A God whom his fathers did not know. I mean, this kind of power. They must have been maybe not a military power that he comes from. Not some kind of overwhelming um, empire, uh, kingdom like he so desires and has for a bit. Uh, It says, uh, he will take action against the strongest of fortresses. He's going to crumble all the kingdoms with the help of a foreign god. Uh, what's the foreign god? A lot of people think it's the Muslim. Could be. It's kind of hard to hard to tell exactly what it is, so I'm not really naming that. But he has he has some help here. Um, but he gives honor to those who acknowledge him. And will cause them to rule over the many, and will parcel out land for a price. The ones who are really worshiping him, who really, he will pay back and getting giving them uh, leadership, and uh, they will be rulers underneath him. And uh, so, we see the power that he has over people. And of course, he's going to be able to finance wars. He's going to be incredibly wealthy, as well as having all this power. You give. Uh, a man power you give him leadership he's going to destroy what that really is and he'll destroy everybody around him and uh, he will elevate all the people that do agree with him though you know <laughs> he will uh, just put them to show in... there's a reward for it yep so he will control everything In chapter 11, verse 45, He will pitch the tents of His royal pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain, yet He will come to His end and no one will help Him. What's going on there? Well, He's going to... It's right there in Jerusalem. We were talking about Jerusalem earlier. Well, this is the one between the Mediterranean Sea and, of course, you think of the Dead Sea, the, the two seas there. He's going to make his home there. He'll pitch his tent. He's going to live in Jerusalem. By the way, Jerusalem actually is in the center of the world. If you take all the landmass, put them together, you'll find out right smack dab in the middle of the nations is Jerusalem. Hmm. Not by accident, is it? So the glorious mountain is at the Temple Mount? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The beautiful holy mountain. Of course, how often is that referred to throughout the Old Testament or something of that kind of language? So he's going to be between the sea and the Temple Mount. Well, it's describing where this is at. He'll pitch the tents of his roll up of him between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. It's, it's in that area. You know, he's, yeah, he's the sea. Well, you have it's in, that would be Jerusalem is really what that is. You're talking like the Dead Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. It's between there, and then of course, you know, it's it, it's in that that whole area. Yeah. And so we're talking definitely talking what in, in Israel here. And so once again, it is always at the focus of. Uh, the end times. That's you know, it's Israel that, that's going to start the clock. Um, so are we talking a literal physical dwelling? 
He will live there. That'll be his capital there. It'll be there. So now we even know where he's going to be um, right. ruling from. We got a lot of details on this man here, didn't we? Mm-hmm. It's not been any man like this I that a whole world could follow. This Oh, it's fascinating that God would give us this much detail about an end-time thing. We haven't seen it, but we sure have a good view of it, I think. You can smell it coming. Everything's around it, but you can see it happening. Especially with, like you said, the digital age and TV and everything that's going on. Everyone wants the big scoop. Well, you just even watch now that there's so much, like because of all of the, the internet and things, all the political views, the people can be changed, mm-hmm. the crowds making the votes. Yeah, there's no, the justice systems or anything that wants to like you talk about the ancient times, mm-hmm. they don't, that doesn't matter anymore in most societies. It's just, and the people vote like or no on it, it kind of, you know, right. like they control it. They're swayed, their minds are swayed so quickly anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, let's finish this little point up, and then we'll uh, we'll dismiss. In verse three of Second Thessalonians two. Three. <laughs> oh, oh, we want to go back there. Huh? Okay. This is actually our text. <laughs> but it doesn't just stand by itself here. With Old Testament coming from Daniel. New Testament, whether it be Jesus talking about Antichrist, Paul speaking about Antichrist, John speaking about Antichrist, and then a revelation where John speaks about him. Here we have much written about this individual. And then we see in verse 3, "...let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come." It's talking about the day of the Lord. This is at the end time, a cataclysmic judgment by by God uh, on the power and the authority of the world at this time. It will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That's a literally turning away from God. This is major. There's apostasy done individually or by you know groups of people, little groups of people. But we're talking about mainly the world. And of course, you know that this uh, apostasy can mean aphistomy means to stand away from, That's stand away from God, to turn to away from God. Right. That—that's what's happening on the college campuses and that kind of thing. That's turning away from the true God. And when they That's say they are atheists, yeah. and well, so that they, makes it real. Or they say they're Christian and they don't know, and they you can whatever. God. This apostasy, this is a literal, just in massive form all across the world. It has to come first. So he's saying, you're not in it. You're not in the day of the Lord. Somebody wrote out that his name was Paul and he wrote a letter and they're going, this is it. Look at all the persecution that we're going from. This is it. This is what Paul was talking about. He says, no. The apostasy has to come first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So who's the man of lawlessness? Is this something new, Paul? No. We just read in Daniel, I think, what he taught to them. I think they had a real fascination for what was going to come. And, 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 so, and you'll see why I say that in just a, in a moment. 
the man of lawlessness is revealed. That means he will be unveiled. People will know who he is. You won't miss it. People won't miss it. They'll, if you're an unbeliever, you will follow after him. You know, he's going to be the most magnificent man in the world. Whenever Bill Clinton was elected, I never saw so many people just love that man. For what reason? <laughs> there wasn't anything political that was to love, and there really wasn't anything about him personally or anything else for what it's worth. But it's funny how people can follow him. How did the people follow the previous president? Right? Why did they follow him? What was so great about him? Exactly. Well, in masses, right? All over the world. That's why the Pope was considered the Antichrist by the Luther and the Reformers. Okay. Oh, masses. Yeah. The Catholic Church. Yeah. Okay, son of destruction, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself, we just saw all that in Daniel, right? Above every so-called God, right? There's no other gods. He, I am the true God is what he's saying. God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. There has to be a temple whenever he comes. That's what, that's what the Jews want built. Now, this is not the millennial temple. This is going to be the uh, kingdom, or I mean, the the um, the temple of the tribulation. At the time that he was writing this, was the temple still in Jerusalem, or had it already been destroyed? Um, this is uh, written in what? It, no, it's 70 A.D. is when that's going to be. So that hasn't been, that hasn't happened. The only book that was written after that would have been John. In uh, of course, we think of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and of course you look at that as uh, something you That's know. That, so they would have they would have known immediately if somebody walked the temple that was still there at the time. So, like the last so that was probably a, a good point for him to put in here. The temple right. was still there, and nobody nobody's done that. Said, I'm God. Mm-hmm. Right. The so he takes a seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. So there he is. I mean, this guy wants to be known as God. A man God, not anything like all the Julius Caesars and all the other Caesars. They wanted they were called a, a god, but this guy is wanting to be worshipped and no other gods to be worshipped. Sounds like he's being pretty selfish there. Oh boy. There's no political there's no political Yeah, and if you're talking selfishness, and all humans have selfishness, every one of us sitting here tonight are selfish people. You know, God's trimming away that. He's doing His job, and He'll get done with it one of these days. We're all selfish. But thank the Lord that He's trimmed a lot of it away. He still has a job to do, right? But the thing is, this man is going to be the culmination of what selfishness is. We're going to see all the evil that man can be through this man here. Yeah. And you know, so verse five, here's what here's what we just did, why we did it. He says this to them Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? How much did we see right there in a couple of verses that dealt with so much of what we saw in Daniel? But like Barbara was saying there, that um, there's a lot a lot of detail that we kind of forgotten about. In Daniel seven, eight, eleven, and but Paul kind of capsulates it in a couple of verses. He says, "Don't you remember while I was still with you? I was telling you these things, and 
I'm giving you here now, this is not the day of the Lord. This had to calm them down by the time he gets to the end of the chapter. Matter of fact, these first few verses, they're going, whoa. And he says, there has to be a possibility. There has to be that day of the Lord where you have the Antichrist. He's got, we, Christ can't come back until there's an Antichrist that's already been here. And then he will demolish his kingdom. Well, folks, that's it. Already gone three minutes past. <laughs> um, much more to go with that. We'll probably see uh, Daniel nine twenty four through twenty seven. We'll work into that too, uh, and then uh, and paralleling our uh, Thessalonians passage. But this it, it should help us realize how wicked and evil this man is, and how he's able to do the things that he has. Barb. Yeah, be watchful. Watching. Barb, did you have anything there? Um, interestingly enough, one of the comments in here says that when it's talking about the temple of God, it says that one of the interpretations of the temple is that it's an intentional exaggeration, um, a way <laughs> of talking about the imposter or the antichrist's Aspiration to heavenly power. <laughs> so, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I find it surprising coming from the Reformation study Bible, but in an millennial thought. But they they do recognize, I think, in their um, do, yeah, that there are other views. But they yeah. don't say what their view is. They do that right. a lot. They'll give three or four different. Interpretations, but they don't necessarily give their view first all the time, right. and they don't say out explicitly what their view is. Which most of the time, I know what their view is. That's but, fair. But you know. there's some things where they need to say outright what their view is. <laughs> that would be nice. When it comes to um, prophecy, they usually either they will say, "Well." This is a spiritual meaning, and the temple is really not the yeah, temple. And <laughs> well, the first one they say is that some conclude that the temple in Jerusalem, still standing when Paul wrote that destroyed in AD seventy, must be rebuilt for the use of the man of lawlessness. And then others understand this meaning the church. Oh, okay. And then the next one is the intentionally exaggerated way of talking about the Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah, remind you of the Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about when you see the man standing in, you know, in the temple. And there again, it's the same thing as Thessalonians. Of course, we'll get to that text a little further on detail. Makes me want to look at what it says in the new one.